Let me move into this uh, message this morning, Seven Steps of a Disciple. Scott McKnight uh, recalled a few years ago that there was a fellow who wrote a book called The Year of Living Biblically. And uh, he was a secular Jew that tried to live like a biblical Israelite here in America. And so uh, he experiences this for a year and then writes a book on it. Well, not to be outdone, there was another guy named Ed Dotson in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, he said, I'm going to take the life and the teachings of Jesus very literally and live like Jesus for a year. And he does this and he writes a book called The Year of Living Like Jesus. Well, since Jesus gets in trouble and it was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton, Ed goes to the bar too, all right? And that was just part of what he thought he should be doing in his year. And while he's at the bar, he meets this short uh, Jamaican bartender that's in his 50s with this small graying uh, mustache, and he sees Ed's beard. And he says, I like your beard, why are you growing it? And he said, well, I made a commitment on January 1 to spend the whole year to try to follow Jesus. And so the beard is part of the gig. And the bartender's like, dude, that's unbelievable. Uh, what are you learning? And Ed says, well, I'm learning that following Jesus is a full-time job. And I'm learning how hard it is to follow his teachings. And the bartender says, well, what's so hard about it? And Ed says, well, that's a great question. Well, first of all, loving your enemies, for starters. And then he said, caring for the poor. And then he said, the crippled and the, the blind and the lame, and clothing and na the naked, and visiting the prisons and visiting the sick, and feeding the hungry, and giving water to the thirsty. And the bartender said, wow, right on. And that was the end of the story. But I was thinking about it and reflecting on it. The very fact that we'd have to write a book on what, would, on what we're called to do, to live like Jesus, that somebody actually gave it a try. And then... It's just a certain irony that his dialogue partner here is a bartender. And then the whole story sort of surfaces to another level and asks, what do we take literally about Jesus that we should be doing? And in what ways was that just fitting for the first century or fitting for the disciples or fitting for Jesus? And what parts of that are we to be about? Let's pray. Lord, as we begin this series and as we kind of start back at the beginning with some material that's certainly familiar to most of those in this auditorium, I pray that we can see again most clearly what you have called us to, who you are and how we're to enter into that world that you imagine, your kingdom, that we can see who you are so that we can see ourselves more clearly and we can honor your vision in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
certainly points out this story and as we're entering into this series that following Jesus means so many things to so many people and it, therefore it makes the whole story fascinating. And, I, and, and, and so I think right from the get-go we somehow have to realize that somehow simply attending church or other church-related activities isn't quite what Jesus had in mind though it certainly might in, include that. And, and, and truth be told, when you're really paying attention to the Bible, it's not always completely straightforward what it is that Jesus wants from us. We've been together in our huddle group and faithfully meeting. Somebody asked me just this morning, does, your, uh, does the huddle, your huddle group still get together? And I said, well, not every one of us is at every session on Thursday morning, but some part of our group is basically there at Bread Company in the corner in Webster there at 7 a.m. on a Thursday morning. Every week for years we've been, we've been meeting. But as we're reading the Bible together, I'm often, I'm often struck by how little we really even understand about what we're reading. When you really are careful about what you're reading, you begin to ask more questions often than finding answers. And yet I believe that the answer is derived in the dialogue with Scripture. In other words, I'm not so sure that we always have to have the answers as much as we have to be asking the questions. And God will be working on our hearts as we ask the questions. Well, I don't know that we so much have to be the answer people as the asking people. And I think that'll be true in some ways as we go through this, this series. It says, Mark Twain said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand bother me. It is the parts that I do understand. And I think he put well, plenty of fuel for each one of us to think about our relation to the Word of God. And so here we are in a new year, a year of living biblically, if you will, of being a disciple. And I don't want us to be on autopilot for too long because if we are on autopilot too long, just like a plane, that's on autopilot too long, you're going to get in trouble. And with the new year, it's only logical that we reassess who am I, who do I belong to, what is important to me, what is my mission in life. And, and, and for most of us in this room, our questions are, might be even slightly different. What does it mean for me to be a follower, to be a Christian? Or maybe said a different way, what kind of Christian am I? Our key text then is the one that Dale read before for us there, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 through 19. And of course the passage is about Jesus, but even so it's about the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of God is Jesus' message that is at hand. And if we miss the kingdom, our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus will be far too small. And you say, well, well what, what, what is that? I'm just going to, I don't want to answer that question completely this morning as much as to lay that out there again. If you, if, you, if you haven't really wrestled with understanding what does the Bible mean by the kingdom of God, you're missing it. This is central 
to who we are and to what we need to be about is to recognize what Jesus had in mind. As Brett has already shared with us, coming right out of Isaiah chapter 9, a different vision for how the world should work. And we get to be participants with Jesus in that kingdom. It's a kingdom dream and it's the possibility where our lives are under God, our religion is under God, but our hopes are under God and our fears are under God and our relationships are under God and all of these find their bearing within this dream of God's kingdom and his vision. But I want you to see three things in this text this morning. The first one is Jesus says, follow me. And right off the bat, I want us to think about this. Kyle Eidelman uh, uh, popularized a few years ago in a, in a series that he did in a book that he sold on all, all of this called, Are You a Fan or Are You a Follower? And I think, again, there's relevance to that question this morning. And the point of this series is not simply to raise this question, but it is to ask you, have you answered it? And how are you answering it? today. I want to suggest that that question, follower, are you a fan or a follower, it, it, is, is, it requires us to use our head. And you'll see this, there's three elements in this passage, and you'll see the importance of both our head, our heart, and our hands. And all of, all of us are being called by Jesus to come follow. And so Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he is the, he is the true north, he is the compass. We get our bearings in relationship to him as we follow him. And so certainly the disciples, and we can see them kind of work, trying to figure that out, and we understand that they, they got it in stops and starts, and we're going to get it in stops and starts. But again, the point is, are we asking the question of ourselves? David Platt said this, when you come to Jesus, you don't get health, you don't get wealth, you don't get prosperity. You come to Jesus to get Jesus. Now, in the RSV, we read, I believe, I'm not sure what, Dale, what translation you read this morning? New International? Okay, you read the New International. And uh, I want us to reference now to the New Revised Standard or the New American or a couple of more literal uh, uh, translations here. Because after it says follow, it then says, and I will make you. I will make you, and that, that word, it's not used in the NIV, but it's used in the RSV, and I want us to see that. In other words, if I had to put a second point here, if follow is what we do with our head, what is happening as we give our allegiance to Jesus, and go ahead and put that second slide up where we're being made, remade. God is the maker. He is the potter. He's the agent of influence. He is, and this is the heart work that he is doing within us, this renewal and reformation of our heart that never stops stops. And here's where so much of Christianity has messed itself up through the generations as we thought it was somehow about getting saved. And then that was sort of the end of the story. And what the kingdom of God tells us, it's about the remaking of our mind and our heart and our life again and again and again and again. And so when this, this idea is that he's going to make, make us. He's the maker. And uh, Dallas Willard in the book Renovation of the Heart, Putting on the Character of Christ, says it this way. Rather, his is a revolution of character. 
which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship to God and Christ and to one another. It is one that changes their ideas. It changes your beliefs. It changes your feelings and your habits of choice, as well as their bodily tendencies and social relations. It penetrates to the deepest layers of the soul. Did you get it? Get this kind of remake job that is going on in our life as we attend to following Jesus, our value system, our way of thinking, even the way we feel about things, even the way we go about our social dynamics and our relationships, they're being reformulated. So often, so many of us get stuck and are not moving forward in this transformation of the heart. Let me give you the third phrase in here. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you, make you fish for people. So there's the reformation, this restoration or changing of our heart, but it's for the purpose of other people's benefit. And this was the call of the disciple. And so if up to this point you say, well, I have heard this stuff since I was wee little. Here's where the rubber meets the road and the challenge is again and again and where this gospel, this kingdom story, and this truth about Jesus will come alive. How is it working out in your life in relation to other people? Are you being made a fisher of men? Are you with your life reaching others? I don't mean that you have to do that perfectly. I don't mean that you have to have all the answers. I mean, are there ways in which it is on your heart and in your intentions and the desire of your life to introduce people to the ancient words and to this one who is the ancient word, to put our faith into action? This is what it means to have purpose and mission and objective, to be a disciple maker. David Platt, again, said it this way, to be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus. This is the truth embedded in this little passage. It's challenging then. So what we've got here is from this passage, putting this all together, head, heart, and hands being offered for Jesus as we follow him. Now, recently I was with one of our members who had uh, not encountered so much in their own history this language of being a disciple. For some of us, maybe some of us that were converted in a campus ministry or others, this language of being a disciple, just kind of, we've heard that for many, many, many years. But it was interesting if we kind of pulled the congregation, maybe others of us, that really wasn't the way we thought about our life. We thought about our pre-Christian days and our Christian days after we encountered 
Christ. And maybe the language of, of, yes, we read about the 12 disciples, but thinking of yourself as a disciple maybe wasn't the language you use. So in order to be helpful for that, I want to be as clear as possible. And this is part of what we'll be discussing upstairs on the fourth floor during the class, both today and then in the subsequent uh, weeks to come here. And that is, I want to give some definitions of a disciple. And so coming right out of this text, here's the definition of a disciple. Is one who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. And then a disciple maker is one who is helping people to trust and follow Jesus. I would love your input, your thought, any feedback, any reflections on those definitions. We'll try to use those as we go through the series together. And then the key to this series is relating these definitions to where you are in your own spiritual journey right now. And again, I, I suspect that for some of us, it feels very strange. It's not really the way we've thought about our life. For others, it's extremely uh, familiar maybe a little bit so familiar that it's hard for us to re-enter into the story again. But in either way, I believe that once we move from thinking about disciple and disciple maker and see those in tandem, the challenge is profound in either direction once again. So in our series, Seven Steps of a Disciple, it sort of implies that there are seven distinct steps. And I don't think we can go to any one scriptural verse in the Bible and find these seven steps. But it was sort of an Oprah way of uh, me uh, putting the series together in, in, uh, in sort of that self-help uh, kind of fashion. And so we can't go to one passage and list seven things. And you could list seven things and you could say, Jeff, why did you leave out this, this, and this? And those are all great questions. I'm simply trying to get us started and moving in a direction and it'll be plenty. Okay, it'll be plenty. And these are foundational. And it'll never be complete because being a disciple, just like the Dallas Willard quote just, just helped us out to see, is like an onion. There is, a, we, 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 peel, we peel one layer and then we see that we've got to go back to this again. In other words, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about our relationship to the Word of God. Well, that's something we learned some things about that as a young Christian, but then we learned some things that are deeper, and we just keep going. There are different layers of that onion all the way throughout our life in terms of how we read the Bible, in terms of how we pray. These are things that we'll want to apply, and we'll each time, each time through this, whether you're just starting out, and, and this will be so relevant for the teens. Okay, so relevant for the teen, teenagers that are here just starting out in these seven disciples. For David, who was just baptized, be so relevant in terms of, however, it's relevant for mom and dad. And it's relevant for, for, for grandma and grandpa, too, because we're passing this on and we're discovering at another level. So we'll work on that together with the Lord Jesus setting forth the call and then our acceptance of Jesus' school of apprenticeship. That's what we're doing. Okay, we're going to be in enrolled in his school. 
for the, next, for the rest of your life, but for the next two months in a particular way. Let me give you the seven steps. There they are. I don't know how you could call Jesus a step. That's almost unfair to him. Okay. But, but we're going to start by thinking about your life. Where is your life in relationship to Jesus Christ today? And then we'll think about the Bible. What's your relationship to the scripture? And that's kind of a big one too. Because you're talking about the Old Testament scripture, or you're talking about the Psalms, or you're talking about the history that only Brett loves. You know what I'm saying? Or no, I'm just teasing. But the, the, which parts of scripture? You know, and how relation to scripture? And then praying. That's so simple. How you doing? It's so hard. And then relate is community. It's our community life. It's our relationship. It's what we're doing here in worship together collectively. It's our huddle group. It's our connect groups. It's our fellowship times. It's the 60 and over game night. Okay? It's how we relate and then how we serve, how we use the gifts God's given us to to bless other people, to take care of other people, to be in benevolence, like this church is doing, does so much of that and continuing that, whether it's the, the homeless mission that Nathan has been work, helping us with uh, 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 on a regular basis downtown, or whether it's the food pantry, so many ministries that we're involved in serving. And then journey, this is a process. We're going to talk about that as a process. The whole Bible sees life as a journey. And I think it's in the journey particularly where a lot of folks decide to get off the bus. They get off the train because they find resistances. And it's awfully, they get awfully thirsty out there. They don't know how to, they don't know how to quench their thirst. And all, all those things that happen in the journey. And then multiply even as we get these fundamentals in our life, then we're looking, who can I invest my life in to help them get these truths? When we follow, we're gonna be transformed into the likeness of the one we follow, okay? We'll be image bearers, little Christ's, as we follow, ones who reflect his image. And so last week, when we finished our, uh, had the class, we had this little handout. Put that, that together in terms of trying to capture the discipleship milestones. And there's a lot on here, a lot of content that it's hard to process and hard to get all that sort of spelled out in about 35 minutes during the class. But I started with this ideal graduating student. So the idea here is when you're a graduate, you're, eight, you're about 18 years old and you're leaving this congregation, this area, maybe mom and dad, and you're heading off to school, what would we love in a perfect world, and we know, we know the Holy Spirit is involved in this, and we know it doesn't happen in all in a linear fashion. We know all those things, but we, we, have to, we have to start with a plan. And so we talked about the ideal graduating disciple. And I just wanted to leave this with you today because I think it aligns 
very well with what I've tried to describe this morning in terms of follow and make and fish. Head, heart, and hands conform to Jesus as a follower, much like this ideal graduating disciple or student. So in a sense, what is true for the high school graduate also applies to everyone else in the room. Has three to five faith influencers. That is people that are investing in your life to help you in this process of growth. Okay? It's hard to do it by ourselves. And so we surround ourselves with people that are a little bit farther along the journey who can help us. Made a confession of faith and has been baptized. We want that for our students. Want that for everyone in the auditorium. Seeks to strengthen and share their personal relationship to Christ. Two elements of that. One is to strengthen. That is this idea of being remade again and again into God's image. The second of share, that is to be a fisherman for other people sharing and witnessing with your faith. Makes Christ-centered decisions. That's using your head and your heart in to honor God takes ownership of their role in the church. This is that idea that we'll talk about in just a few weeks of service. Okay, has a place to use your gifts. Understands and applies the spiritual gifts. Practices spiritual discipline. So that's things like praying, reading the Bible, fasting. That's like aspects of your faith faithfulness in worship in order to, uh, even as a spiritual discipline, would be part of that story. And then finally, a faith influencer for others. In other words, this ideal graduating disciple or your life as a example, as a model for other people. Scott McKnight, as I, with the opening quote that I'd shared in terms of the, uh, his refre reflection on the, uh, on the folks that tried to follow Jesus biblically or for a year, in that particular book uh, called One Way, he says this, Jesus calls, this is the subtitle of the book, we follow. This is our story of faith. Will you join me as we uh, move into this over the next couple of months? Thank you.